Amen. Well, it's good to be here. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, find Genesis chapter 43. Genesis chapter 43, continuing in our study, our walk through the life of Joseph. Genesis chapter 43, and we'll read the whole chapter together. This is the word of God. Now the famine was severe in the land, and when they had eaten the grain that they had brought up from Egypt, their father said to them, go again, buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Israel said, Why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? They replied, The man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred, saying, Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him was an answer to these questions. Could we in any way know that he would say, Bring your brother down? And Judah said to Israel his father, Send the boy with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I will be a pledge for, of his safety. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If we had not delayed, we would have now returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags and carry a present down to the man, a little balm and a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take double the money with you. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise and go to the man. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man. And may he send back your other brother, and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. So the men took this present, and they took double the money with them and Benjamin. They arose and went to Egypt and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, bring the, man into the, bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready, for the men are to dine with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and brought the men to Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house. And they said, it is because of the money which was, which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we, that we are brought in so that he may assault us and fall upon us to make us servants and seize our donkeys. So they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke with him at the, at the door of the house and said, Oh, my Lord, we came down the first time to buy food. And when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks. And there was each man's money in the mouth of, our, of his sack, our money in full weight. So we have brought it again with us. And we brought other money down with us to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sack. And the servant replied, Peace to you. 
do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. And when the man, man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water and they'd washed their feet and he'd given their donkeys fodder, they prepared the presents for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. When Joseph came home, they brought him into the house to him the presents that they had for him and bowed down to him to the ground. And he inquired about their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? They said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, and controlling himself, he said, Serve the food. They served him by himself and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they set before him the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in amazement. Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs, and they drank and were merry with him. This is the word of God. Have you ever found yourself between a rock and a hard place? Between two options and neither option appears to be the right answer? To put it another way, you ever feel like you're danged if you do and you're danged if you don't? Well, we had a situation like that at our home during the rainstorm on Thursday. Look what was going on at our house. Our poor puppies, there they are, right? The big one there is Bilbo, and the small one there is Copper. And Copper is always happy to be laying on her bed. But Bilbo, he was really having a rough day. He, wanted, he didn't want to be in the house, but he didn't want to go out in the rainstorm on Thursday either. He was really conflicted as to what he wanted to do. He was between boredom and a bath, not a place any dog wants to be, Right? And this is a situation sort of like Jacob and his family find himself between a rock and a hard place. And it is in this place that they find God's mercy. In fact, this passage is all about God's marvelous mercy in the midst of these people's mess. We see it displayed implicitly in what is happening, what's going to happen to Joseph and his family, but also explicitly. The text literally talks about mercy in two places. Jacob, also called Israel in verse 14, prayed for mercy. And then we see in verse 30 that Joseph is literally overcome with mercy. Your translation may say compassion, but the same Hebrew word for mercy is used there. And we see that Jacob prayed because of a need, and God gave an answer and gave the solution through Joseph. The passage really breaks up nicely into two sections to the problem and the solution to the need for mercy and then the provision of mercy. So let's look first at the need 
for mercy. And the first area of need this family had was caused from famine. This family had a need for mercy due to the famine. If you remember over the last several chapters, famine has been ravaging the land. And the only place to get food is in Egypt. And that may not seem like a big deal, but recall Hebrews always had issues whenever they needed to get to Egypt. Something always happened. And add to that, this family had already made one trip to Egypt not that long ago. This isn't like you going to Hopkinsville or to Murray to go to Walmart. No, no, no. This is an over 250-mile journey on foot with you, your family, and all your kids. Who's in, right? Through the deserts, no Wi-Fi, no nothing, and you're heading through this desert. And last time they did, they had to end up leaving their brother Simeon there in order to get grain. And now we see that they went home and they've used all the grain they got and have not gone back to get their brother. Some commentators say it's been a year, maybe even two, and they just left Simeon there and kept on going with their life. You almost have to feel bad for Simeon a little bit. The family just keeps on carrying on while this son is over here in prison. The whole family is sitting around inactive, enjoying the Egyptian grain without thought of what to do next. But now the resources have come to an end. Look at verse 2. And when they had eaten the grain that had had been brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go again and buy us a little food. And Judah, one of the sons, speaks up and reminds the father that they cannot return without their brother Benjamin. And he really summarizes their last visit in verses 3 to 5. They had met a man who was governor over the land, and he'd given them food and money But he told them to bring back their brother Benjamin or else he was going to be convinced that they were spies. And now unknown to these brothers, this governor was really Joseph, the 12th and youngest brother in the family who they had sold into slavery decades prior and who by God's grace has now ascended to the throne of Egypt. And Joseph is trying to get his family to Egypt to a place of safety, and to reconcile with them. And all of these tests he's giving them is to prove the brothers' willingness and their honesty. And so Joseph has Simeon put in jail in exchange for Benjamin to be brought with the brothers. And for Jacob and and their family, this is a dilemma. This is a dilemma, isn't it? Do we stay and sort of ride out the famine? Do I send my sons back and risk maybe losing another one? I mean, we remember Jacob had a favorite. Benjamin was the favorite son. And here Jacob's having to choose between his favoritism or food in the midst of a famine. He's between a rock and a hard place. And they, and they needed mercy. And friends, this sort of dilemma isn't unique to Jacob. Let me say this. If you live long enough, you will find yourself in a situation that looks hopeless. You will find yourself between a rock and a hard place. Let me tell you, if you've ever found yourself there, it wasn't because you were special, it's because you're human. (laughs) And humans will often find ourselves, sometimes due to actions of our own. Think about it, the brothers betrayed Joseph, and if they hadn't done that, they might not have been in this situation. But also sometimes due to situations outside of your control, like a famine, 
you will find yourself between a rock and a hard place and in need of God's mercy. You will find yourself in a situation that appears dead. But thankfully to us, God is working behind the scenes and the seemingly hopeless to bring about good, not only for this family, but for the nation around them. They had the need of mercy due to the famine. We see second, they had a need of mercy due to their family. As you might have already caught on, this family was a mess. You know, they, they had all sorts of issues. They, they really didn't get along. Jacob had always had favorites. Joseph was the favorite first, now Benjamin. And Jacob wants to blame everyone but himself for his part in all of this. Look at verse 6. Look what he says. Israel said, Why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? What a response. Why didn't you just lie, kids? And we wouldn't be in this situation. In Jacob's mind, it's all about him and his suffering. Notice he doesn't seem to mention or be at all concerned that he's got a son in an Egyptian prison for something he didn't do. He doesn't really seem to give a lot of thought to his starving family, more to himself and his belly. Plus, Jacob was the one who told them to go to Egypt to begin with, and now he's mad that they were honest with Pharaoh. Jacob knows that lying to a Pharaoh is not a good thing. Remember his great-grandfather, Abraham? (laughs) He lied to a Pharaoh twice, and that really didn't go well for him. He knew that lying wasn't really what the brothers should have done. We often do this, don't we? We have pain and hurt in our life, so we deflect and we blame, and we can understand Jacob's pain as a father, but we also need to see his selfishness as a sinner. And who of all people steps up and begins to make a plan for the family? Judah. And look what happens in verse 8. Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy with me. We will arise and go that we may live and not die, both me, both we and you and also our little ones. I will be a pledge of his safety. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. We begin to see that Judah's really grown up, hasn't he? Just a few chapters ago, Judah had been caught in an adulterous relationship with his daughter-in-law, and now he's the one taking initiative to rescue the family. He offers himself as a pledge. Remember last week, Reuben, who's the oldest, and you'll learn anytime Reuben's about to speak, he's going to put his foot in his mouth. He's just that, he's that member of the family. He was cowardly and said, well, I'll give you my sons as a pledge if I don't bring him back. I'll I'll offer you my children, but I'm not going to offer myself. Whereas Judah offers himself as the sacrifice. We begin to see God's grace at work in Judah's life, transforming him, maturing him, and causing him to think about someone other than themselves. Think about this. The sign of grace in your life is that you're thinking about someone other than the person you see in the mirror every morning. You want to know if God is maturing you and working on you? Who do you think about, particularly when things are going rough in your own life? And friends, Judah is an example to any of you today who feel like you've blown it. Maybe you've done the unthinkable, just like Judah did. 
And maybe you think that you could never recover from it and God could never use you. But I want to remind you that chapter 38 of Genesis wasn't the end of Judah's story. Judah's name means praise and God is going to have him live out that name with how he lives and how he walks. God is going to redeem his life for his own praise and glory. And friends, if God can do it to Judah, God can do the same for you. Redeem your life and cause you to serve God now for God's praise and God's glory. Judah was repentant. He put these old sins behind him and he begins to take the lead in the moment of crisis. Judah, the father, really should have been stepping up. But rather, Judah steps up. He puts everything behind him. He says, okay, with all the mess of this family, somebody's got to take a step, so I'm going to do it. This was a family in need of mercy, wasn't it? And finally, we see the need of mercy due to fear. Due to fear. Famine. You've got this famine going on. You've got all kinds of weird family dynamics we've been seeing over the last several weeks. And now you've got fear. Jacob eventually relents and he says, okay, Benjamin, go with your brothers back to Egypt. What other choice does he really have, right? And he loads them up with all kinds of stuff. You can read about that in verses 11 to 13. And it's interesting that this is the same kind of stuff when Jacob's brothers sold Joseph in, when Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. This is the kind of stuff they got in exchange for selling him. But now they're loading up their donkeys and bringing it to him as a gift. Life's really funny that way, isn't it? They're picking up and bringing this stuff as peace offerings. And Jacob sends them off with a benediction, a prayer and a blessing for the road. And notice what he prays for, verse 14. Look at this. May God Almighty, the El Shaddai, grant you mercy before the man and may he send back your other brother and Benjamin and as for me if I am bereaved of my children I am bereaved you can almost hear the heartbreak of this father sending his sons out in faith and he says I entrust them to the El Shaddai the God Almighty and he asks for God to grant them mercy And friends, I'm sure Jacob and his family were afraid that he wouldn't have loaded them up with all kinds of stuff to bring a peace offering if they weren't afraid of how this was going to go. But he had to trust God's promises. God had promised Jacob and his family that he was going to preserve them and he was going to bless the nations through them. And Jacob had to trust that and send his sons out. Jacob recognized his need for mercy. He's in a lose-lose situation. Famine, family dysfunction, fear of losing it all and making it worse. But the good news is that in the midst of it all, God hears and answers the prayer of Jacob. God Almighty provides mercy to this family. The same God who passed before Moses was the God who was at work in this situation. Exodus 34, 6. Look at this. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love 
and faithfulness. This was the God who Jacob called out to and the God who's going to prove himself to be all of those things by almost point for point meeting the needs of this family out of his mercy, steadfast love, and faithfulness. We've seen the needs for mercy. Now let's look at God's provision of mercy. God provides mercy for this family. God meets the needs first of the famine with the mercy of a feast. God meets the mercy, the need of a famine with the mercy of a feast. They need food. And look what happens. The brothers arrive in Egypt, verse 16. It sort of flashes forward to when they arrive. And look what happens, verse 16. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of the house, bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready for the men are to dine with me at noon. He says, we're having lunch. The man, the man did as Joseph told him and brought the men to Joseph's house. You can almost imagine the scene almost go slow-mo when Joseph saw Benjamin. They're coming back. It's been years. Joseph didn't know if they had given up on the plan or they coming back. Can I trust them? His brothers have proved to be honest. They've returned with Benjamin, and so Joseph is preparing a feast. This is almost like the Old Testament version of the prodigal son. These brothers have wronged him, but Joseph's about to welcome them. Remember, these brothers, after they sold Joseph and betrayed him, they actually had a big meal to celebrate the fact that they sold the favorite brother off. They went out to eat together. Like, man, this is great. We got the job done. But now Joseph is going to display mercy and forgiveness by inviting them to a meal. And all of this comes from Joseph's mercy. After talking with his brothers before dinner, look what happens in verse 30. Verse 30. Joseph's talking to them, and then he hurried out, for his compassion grew warm. The words literally there means his, the mercy inside of him was boiling. He had boiling mercy inside of him for his brothers, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, and controlling himself, he said, serve the food. We see all of this came from a heart of mercy. This was food prepared with love. The brothers were welcomed solely out of grace and mercy. And friends, this is how God displays mercy to you. If, if, if you are anyone in the story, if you like to kind of try to find yourself in the story, if you're anyone here, you are the brothers who have wronged God through our sin, and yet God has lavished mercy on us. He's invited you into fellowship close enough to eat with him through his son, Jesus Christ, and through repentance and faith. And we have a pledge Remember, Judah, by pledging himself, is basically sacrificing his life on behalf of another. We've got a pledge greater than, Joseph, greater than Judah. And we've got someone who's gone into the prison for us to come back out greater than Simeon. We've got Jesus, God's own son, who's given his life as a pledge for our eternal safety and as a pledge of God's mercy. If you think the scene is beautiful with Joseph forgiving his brothers. Think of how incredible it is to know that's just a picture of what God has done for you. 
You've been welcomed out of grace and mercy into fellowship with God. He meets their need for famine with the provision of a feast. But he's not done. He's not done, is he? They aren't simply welcomed and given a good meal. They are shown, they are shown mercy through receiving favor. This broken family is about to be shown favor and grace from God. Joseph and his servants go over the top to make these brothers know they are safe and they have nothing to fear. This is sort of the the old school Chick-fil-A. We're going to go over and above to serve these people, right? They're going to do everything they can. The divided family is united. They bring Simeon back out to them. And unknown to these brothers, Joseph is going to return to them very soon as well. But look what the servants say to the brothers, verse 23. Look at this. He said, peace to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your fathers has put treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. And when the men had brought the man into Joseph's house and given them water, they washed their feet. And when he given their donkey's fodder, they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread. Look what they do. They're going to go over the top to make sure this is a great dining experience. The family's reunited. They have their feet washed. That's enough for me to sort of stop right there, right? They're washing these strange Hebrews people's feet, and they give food to their animals, and then they greet them by saying, peace to you, shalom to you. This is a very Jewish greeting. This would have been sort of saying, my pleasure to serve you, well-being and favor to you. This family will not have further dysfunction here. We're going to put it all back together. The servants even say, don't worry about the extra money that Joseph left in your sack. It was God who gave it to you. They don't simply get a seat at the table. They're given VIP tickets to the, to the Joseph dining experience. Now these beloved, bro- these betraying brothers are being treated like the favorite, beloved brothers. And look what happens. The word shalom is repeated in this passage. Look at verse 27, three times. Then he inquired about their welfare, their shalom, and said, Is your father well? There's the word shalom again. The old men, the old man of whom you spoke, is he still alive? Your servant, our father, is well, shalom. He is alive. They bowed their heads and prostrated themselves, and he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Doesn't that sound like somewhere else in the Old Testament? Isn't there a blessing from Numbers chapter 6? God be gracious to you and bless you, make his face shine upon you, right? Carrie Job didn't write that. The Bible wrote that. If you've ever heard that song, right? He says, be gracious to them. He offers them well-being, peace, shalom, and wholeness. And this whole scene really is a picture of how God has loved and given peace to us. Totally undeserved, totally of mercy, and totally free. Joseph not only forgives them, he blesses them positively with so much that they don't deserve. 
And we are like the brothers before Joseph. We stand guilty of crimes against God. We've broken His law. We've sinned. And we deserve punishment for our sins against a holy and eternal God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The same God who is just to judge has also displayed unfathomable mercy to you. Jesus Christ has come to live a sinless life in your place, to die on the cross for your sins, and to rise again on the third day from the dead so that you might experience shalom with God. Peace, wholeness, full restoration, no more dysfunctional relationship, at least between you and your heavenly Father. You can be restored, that fractured relationship put back together. Here's how the Apostle Paul put it in Romans 5.1. Look at this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you consider, sometimes reading a verse like this is actually best to read it backward. Read the phrases backward. Look at this. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. We have been justified by faith. Look what God has done. Peace with God. Shalom, and it couldn't be purchased through the gold and the gifts of Jacob, but only received by grace through faith. Let me tell you this. You can never earn or purchase your way to peace. It only comes through those who've given up on trying to earn it themselves and who receive it in humble faith. The famine is met with a feast. This divided family is going to be restored with favor. God's displaying sovereign mercy and fear is met with faith. We see the final point, fear is met with faith. And the fear is taken away. Look at the very last phrase that we have here. Look at this. And they drank and were merry with him. So they, they take the portions gives Benjamin five portions. And interestingly enough, Joseph, Joseph's having a good time, I think, with this because obviously he knows something the brothers don't know. He sets the brothers in order of age. And they're sitting there going, how does this guy know this? That would begin to freak me out, right? And he makes sure that Benjamin gets, goes to town and has five times what everybody else has. And at the end it says, and they drank and were merry with them. They get comfortable with the Egyptian governor. The Hebrew phrase here can even mean they might have got a little intoxicated. Now, I don't think that's the point of this passage. Don't go and go, well, Jacob's sons did it, so I'm going to go do it. No, 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 no. But it does show that all their fears were not founded in faith in God's promises. Friends, Jacob prayed for mercy and it was almost like he, they maybe didn't believe he was actually going to answer that prayer. <laughs> but God answered his prayer and displayed mercy, marvelous mercy, through the, most un, through the most unfathomable means. Jacob doesn't even know that his son, who he thinks is dead, is very much alive and ruling over the place he's sending the other brothers back to. Friends, we need to recognize that God hears our prayers. I want you to imagine being Jacob and his family. Over 200 miles on foot through famine from Canaan to Egypt, 
between a rock and a hard place. You've got one son in jail. You've got another supposedly dead. And the rest, including your favorite, is traveling through the desert. And all you do is just utter the only thing you know how to do. God, have mercy. And in the midst of the mess, God gives mercy. One of one prayer of faith, and God answers it through the most unexpected means. And friends, we may never see the countless times God gave mercy through our prayers that we may never even begin to recognize in this life. Their fear transformed to faith. There's much ahead for this family. This dysfunctional family showered with favor and what they needed was food and man, they got some food. Let me point you one more time toward how this points us to Jesus because anytime you see a meal in the Bible, it is meant to be a small picture of, of the end of it all when we are with Jesus. Because the Bible tells us if you are a follower of Jesus, you will one day have a lunch, not with the governor of Egypt, but with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The Bible talks about, you can go read this in your own time, Revelation chapter 19, a marriage supper of the lamb. That's where it ends, right? And have you made yourself ready for the day when you will meet with your king? When, when, you, when you're going to meet with someone whose power makes the Egyptian government look like a tiny drop in the bucket, when you will meet with a holy and righteous judge whom you've offended and broken his law, I mean, these brothers are scared because they've got some money in their bags they weren't supposed to have, but we've rightly offended this God. And your only hope of feast instead of famine is God's mercy through Jesus Christ. And friends, that should encourage you in a couple things this week. First, it means that we don't have to come to people with all the answers. But friends, we're simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Where to find the bread of life. We're all in the midst of a spiritual famine, but we've found the one who says, if you eat of me, I will satisfy forever. So friends, you don't have to know it all when you're talking to your neighbors about faith. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be a, a Bible scholar or go to seminary. Friends, you pray for mercy, you walk in faith, and you trust God, and you point them toward the bread of life. Second, this should really humble us and get rid of any swagger in us. Some of us walk around like, we've just really got it. We're really killing everything we're doing, and we think, well, why wouldn't God be merciful to me? I'm pretty great. <laughs> and yet, mercy cannot be earned or purchased or even achieved through good behavior. It can only be received by those who realize that they have no other hope left. Until you're between a rock and a hard place, mercy may never make sense to you. And finally, it should cause us to walk forward in faith. You may be today between a lose-lose situation. You don't know what to do. And I don't know what, what you should do. But I do know that, the, that we, through this example, should walk forward in faith. For, for God Almighty, the El Shaddai, has displayed marvelous mercy to us. Let me invite you today to do two things in closing. If you have never 
trusted in God's mercy to save you. Maybe you're trusting in your church attendance. Maybe you're like, well, I was baptized as a child, and so I'm good, you know. Maybe, maybe you've never really owned the mercy for yourself or understood it. Today, I would invite you to do it, to take the step of faith and to cry out for God to be merciful to you and to say that you're trusting in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord and your Master. You can do that right where you are. You can come talk to me. You can talk to other people around you. We'd love to to lead you in that prayer. But for others of us, let us think about when we're in a rock and a hard place. We've found ourselves uh, over the last two years between a lots of rocks and COVID hard places, haven't we? (laughs) Did we cry out and trust the God who's not only the God Almighty, but also the God of mercy to walk us forward in faith? Today, wherever you find yourself, let's stand and let's pray together, trusting in faith and walking forward in faith and responding in faith in worship. Let us pray together. Father God, we find ourselves in difficult times. (laughs) There's all kinds of things we could list off. Sickness. We could find ourselves in economic difficult times. Find ourselves where we aren't trusting the leadership or other people around us. We're between a rock and a hard place. But we trust that that is where your mercy shines the brightest. And so today I ask that if there's anybody here within the sound of my voice who has not trusted in your saving mercy, though they would do so right now. They would step forward, turn from their sins, pray to you now saying, Lord, I'm a sinner and I confess my sins to you and I place my faith in you as the Lord and the master of my life. And I pray that we would walk like this family did not knowing all the answers, not knowing where the road ultimately leads, but trusting the one who has everything within the palm of his hand. El Shaddai, we ask that you would be merciful to us and that you would have us to see the displays of mercy in everyday life. And we ask and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Joseph really has been all about, right? That God is reigning and ruling and in control of all things, even when we can't see it, even when we don't know exactly uh, what he's doing. Let me close with three closing comments. One, again, just encourage you to give toward the food basket ministry. You may be the answer for mercy that someone is praying for right now in doing that. Uh, two, I know I see some new faces here. Just to, we invite you to get connected. There's a connect card back at the desk. You can also fill it out online. We'd love to talk with you a little bit about this incredible God that we worship who is ruling and reigning and, is, and has given unfathomable mercy to us. And we also had a request to pray for some things going on in the world right now. To pray for Ukraine and for really our country and the world. There's a lot to pray for. So normally we would end with a benediction, much like... Jacob had, but I actually do want to close praying uh, for God's unique mercy uh, in this period. So let us close in prayer together. God Almighty, we know that you are in control of all things, that you do hold the kings and the nations in your hands, directing them where to go, and that even as the nations rage, you sit on the throne and you laugh at any chance to dethrone you. Any attempt at it is, is futile and nothing. So we ask for your mercy upon Ukraine, upon our nation, upon our leaders, upon the world, Lord. And may it it be displayed in such a way that you would get the praise and the glory for it all. We trust you when we walk forward in faith today. And we ask and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.